Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel from the most fascinating people in our business community from all over our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And so here's the question for you, my friend. How long would it take you to memorize the order of one pack of playing cards? How about memorizing 59 packs of playing cards? Could you do it by June, maybe? Next June? Well, for the amazing Mr. David Farrell, who twice broke the Guinness Book of World Records memory test, it took only a single sighting, which is very astounding, but it's an iceberg tip of a gentleman who holds so much insight to offer you, because the real applicable body of Dave's artistry is... Yes, what he did to develop the program, but it's what he has done and is doing with that skill that he has so innovatively forged. And this very day, you are going to learn how the mentally energetic Dave has monetized this ultimate talent he's got and how he founded Faro Communications to help folks like yourself with your skills to get on the fiscal fast track with them and how you may tuck that ability under your arm and carry it profitably aloft, as we say. So whether you are a cold-calling salesman seeking to mentally juggle all the facts about product and clients like Tom or you're a you possess an uncanny ability for understanding the world of plants that you'd like to cash in on, like Sally. Pull up your chair a little closer and join us in this feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined, to make your career thrive and your adventures flourish. Dave, Dave I'm so glad that you could shake off the snows of the city of good neighbors, Buffalo, New York, and remember to join us today. Shake off the snow. It's it's warm. It's practically balmy here. Uh, this uh, this weather is uh, turning out pretty good for Buffalo. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm I'm glad Buffalo has, has something is has finally getting a break in life here. It's uh, well, from everything I remember, how tough it how tough it is. And so may as I said, may the the spider webs continue to grow in the snowplow. Yeah. Now, Dave, but keep in mind, I'm originally literally. Canadian, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so, so you you come down. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I need a certain amount of snow, or we or we evaporate. It's something like that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. You have a tall silk hat and something like that. I don't know. There uh, we go, Dave. You are literally uh, the world's most effective rememberer, I guess we could call it. So I'd like to put your Guinness Book of Records memory to the test. Quickly run through the last five hundred ladies and gentlemen of business that you've encountered. And now, using your expert assessment, could you tell us what percentage of these folks would you estimate hold some skill or talent powerful enough that they might successfully monetize it? I mean, what do you think? 90, 90%, 5%? Yes, absolutely. I, I, I firmly believe that I haven't met a person who does not have a unique talent or, or something unique to offer the world. And I think that some people just aren't, aren't looking hard enough. They, they spend too much time copying others and not finding their own unique talent. And, and I get that because, you know, it's, it's easier to copy. It's easier to, to look at what other people have done and go, oh, I'll just kind of do some version of that. But uh, if you can find your unique talent uh, and then figure out how to offer that as, as value in exchange for money, of course, uh, then, you know, you can, you can have a, an incredibly satisfying life that's all yours and nobody else's. 
Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I, I, so that you're hearing it from a man who has made his own way and has done very well with it, truly. And actually, Dave, in, in your case, uh, one could scarcely call your world-class memory ability a gift. Rather, it was, it was something that you hard-forged over growing up with a lot of tough rocks and hard knocks. I mean, uh, could you tell us uh, just briefly some of the major learning hurdles you, you faced as a youngster? Yeah, well, and that's actually, uh, I think, the story of, of a lot of entrepreneurs uh, is, is you find a problem that you're struggling with, and you solve it, and then you sell that solution, uh, whether it be a gadget or a gizmo or, in my case, a, 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 an instructional method. But I was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia. Now, I also uh, was, at the same time, diagnosed as very relatively high IQ, but I had a lot of difficulty with the mechanical side of, of academia. That is like the writing and the reading part, right. things like that. Uh, reversed uh-huh. numbers, even. They call it dysnumeria now. Um, but... Uh, I took a different path because I found uh, there, there was this there was this real turning point when when you have something bad happen to you like that where somebody tells you you're just not as smart as you think you are or you have some challenge and I, it, it was almost like I saw a parallel version of myself and what would happen if I just give up or accept that and go the route that I believe a lot of my teachers wanted me to go all good heartedly you know they 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 meant the best for me but they kind of wanted to slow things down for me, make things easier because of these challenges, things like that. And I just saw that leading to a very unfulfilling life. I saw myself perhaps working in a factory like my dad did. Of course, knowing how the economy is now, that might not have been nearly as stable as it is for my dad. And uh, just just not reaching my potential. And then I kind of looked at another path where I decided to take the bull by the horns and figure out what was wrong and fix it in me. And I saw a much tougher path, but much more rewarding. And, and I wanted to – it was actually when I got this diagnosis that I realized I wanted to run my own business, partially because – uh, there's a tremendous list of incredibly successful people who run businesses who are billionaires that, are, that have dyslexia and ADD, and I think I was kind of using that as inspiration. Um, and, well, and of okay, course, I, I, I'd I like went to the, get you that path. This, I'd like to interrupt for a minute because I, there's a point that you put your finger on, and, and I wanted to just touch that. Uh, actually, I like you, I was born with very severe dyslexia and ADD, and I had some hefty mm-hmm. epilepsy tossed in. But uh, I took the stupid man solution, and I bring that up because most of us do. I buckle down, and I labored, and I forced concentration. I put in long hours. All, all this is stuff I'm sure you employed. But you talk mm-hmm. about, you just mentioned this that you chose innovation. Uh, you saw the light of an unseen solution. What, what did you see? What, when did you do that? What, what made that choice? Well, actually, I mean, for me, I don't know if there's anything you can learn from this, but I'll be perfectly transparent. Uh, I don't know if this uh-huh. helps the narrative at all, but I was really into martial arts. And and I saw oh, the I... idea of martial arts is, is that a small person could defeat a bigger person with strategy, uh, you know, blocking and, and, and you know, doing a, a, a powerful move could beat a brute with no training. And I thought that I could do the same with my mind. I, I don't know really oh. how I made that connection, but I'm sure glad I did. Uh, and and I, I wanted to figure out how the mind works, and I, const- and I was confident that with every disadvantage, there is a hidden advantage that I don't see. And, and if I figure right. out strategies and techniques of the brain, like the martial arts of the mind is kind of the way I saw it. I don't, I don't use that verbiage now because it doesn't sell well, but that's the way I honestly thought about right. it myself. Well, I, I'm glad you passed that on because it is something that people need to see. They need to 
see that avenue mm-hmm. as uh, as you did. And sometimes, whatever the hook is, it's it can be the, the total life changer. If you've just yeah, joined us, you second, are listening. The second to... part is really key, though. Uh, the second uh-huh. part is really key is that I, I spent about two years obsessed, like obsessed, obsessed with figuring out every uh-huh. single mentalism trick, psychology, hypnosis, all of that to discover how to actually improve my brain. So you can't, you can't get the result without doing the work, but you're right. It's that initial spark that motivates you to believe that there is a result. There is something out there that you're looking to find, but it took me a good two years to really figure it out. I'm I'm glad you answered that. It's it's early in the show, but I think we have here a quill pen moment, which is what I what we use as a timeless truth of business, and that is uh, Dave has just pointed out the fact that uh, I that ideas without uh, implementation and sweat are hallucination, and you have mm. so, and this is something that we all need to learn and notice that what he did when he had this turning point, this idea, he put the two years in and he slaved away, and it did indeed end up profitably. And if you've just joined us, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time flies wisdom directly at you on the wings of laughter through the miasma of cyberspace, where you may listen and download this and all our episodes by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. Oh, and and now you may also join us on C-Suite Radio. We have joined that coterie of select radio masters uh, that's filled with little devil hosts, each expertly fueling the fire of your personal success. Sounds great, doesn't it? Well, just visit C- <laughs> I, I love your pattern. <laughs> oh God! It flows flows like swimming through macadam. Anyway, anyway, just visit csweetradio.com and dig in. Let's get and let, for heaven's sakes get on. Now, Dave, early on, even in high school, I understand you were uh, sort of like every inadvertent entrepreneur. You you developed your system, your memory system, and. Mm-hmm. You, of course, you kept mastering it, but you even shared it with high school, with, with your high school cronies, even then, didn't you? I mean, you gave this. So, could could you just give us uh, one or two techniques that I've got this idea and I've I've got this uh, mm-hmm. that works for me? How do I shift that into a program that works for others? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. It wasn't a program in the beginning. Uh, I was diagnosed when I was 14, so I was just going into grade nine, into the high high school, high part yeah, of high yeah. school, and that's junior high. Um, and uh, again, that's where I saw, hey, what are my prospects in life? And it was a real, there's a lot of up and down. It took me you know, two years of, I was in the library constantly, although my grades didn't reflect it. I was a brown noser with yeah. like horrible grades. Um, but uh, yeah. but I, I, my first innovation that really woke me up was looking up and it, it, at first it was just a collection of little tricks do this when you study do that when you when you're doing math things like that and the first one uh, i had a lot of difficulty with test taking i would get a little stressed and then i would blank out a lot of people can relate to this you study something the night before yeah. but during the test when the stress is on you're a complete blank the person next to you seems to remember it just fine and I estimate now, I, I, I speak on the college circuit, I estimate now about 30% of students are underperforming their potential simply because of stress during test taking, like that one little thing. Yeah. So um, I learned some breathing exercises, I learned meditation, a couple of things like that. But the one thing that made a big difference was um, a, a study I learned about the eyes. Uh, pointing your eyes in a certain direction helps you stimulate your memory. Uh, and here's what we mean. So if you look down... 
that is your natural tendency. This kind of goes back to NLP, but I actually learned it through some neuroscience studies. Um, If you look down, you're talking to yourself. You're like, oh, I got to pay the rent. I got to do this. Like that's, that's the typical looking down worrying, right? Um, It's actually really hard to visualize imagery while you're looking down. You're, energy in your uh, prefrontal cortex and essentially the, the powerful thinking part of the brain uh, and all your memories, um, they're, they're farther away. That tends to be where you're worrying about something that's right in front of you is where you're looking down at your feet or something. When you uh-huh. look up, that is our, our brain's natural right. tendency when we want to remember something. So if I ask you for directions, your first instinct is going, is going to be to look up for a second, maybe to the right or to the left and go, hmm, let me think about right. that. Yeah. And why That's do you true. do that? The information is not written on the sky. It's because looking up behind your eyeball, there's a large bundle of nerves called the optic nerve and physically looking right. up directs more energy to the, that, that powerful part of the brain, the, cor- the cerebral cortex. And uh, it, right. I mean, it, it can be the difference between blanking out and remembering. I, I, I found a huge difference, although the studies point to maybe a 20 to 30% improvement, which is still enormous. It depends on oh, how much difficulty you're having. If, if you're the if person you get 30% who's constantly blacking the test, out, you're doing just fine. Right, yeah. yeah, but if you're the person who's always blacking out, blanking out, then it's 100% improvement for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's why Alexander the Great was always seen looking up and to the left. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so the Greeks actually it, were aware uh, of actually, this. Actually, there's actually a lot of Greek art, and and uh, there's there's things like that. There's there's people who believe that Leonardo da Vinci were, was aware of this neuroscience principle because he has eyes moving in a certain direction in some paintings. And there's actually a whole history around this because it is a human thing. This this phenomenon of I ask you a question, you look up for a second has been going on since the dawn of humanity, and only now do we really know why we do it. As a result, if you're staring down at a page, because you're told not to look at your neighbor's Mm -hmm. page, right? If you're staring down at the page, you're not tapping into that potential. If you stress out, pause for a second, look up, do a few belly breaths, and the information usually pops into your head. And when it does, it is a godsend. For for a test taker who has difficulty, it changes your life. Hallelujah and amen. I think that is a wonderful yep. <laughs> Even if I learn nothing about business, if I just learn that, uh, I'll look up and, and I can yep. look far over uh, whatever my wife is, is asking me to do. It's great. Uh, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, uh, speaking of this, uh, when we when we chatted a bit ago, you passed on to me a perceptive insight, insight that I, I think very few business people have. You said that people of faith dominate business because business demands great faith. Uh, could you share what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, actually, yeah, this is, this is a really interesting phenomenon, and, and there is some evidence in the scientific literature for this, although uh, not, as you can imagine, because of the nature of, of, of science, they, they don't do a lot of studies on faith. But when I talk about faith, I'm not talking about necessarily just religious faith. I'm talking about the actual, right. like, that's a big part of it. But it's also just the act of believing in something you cannot see. So, so right. you know, believing that the sun's going to rise tomorrow, believing that the government's not going to collapse, so believing that your invention may work or your business idea will work or this ad that I'm putting on yeah. Facebook will work. This is, these are all leaps of faith. So, um, yeah, so yeah. I, I honestly yeah. see faith as, as an adaptation. There's a lot of people – 
I guess, in the atheist community that want to say faith is a type of self-delusion. But the fact is, uh, the richest people in the world are, are people of faith. The majority of, of um, uh, Nobel Prize laureates are, are people of, of, of very deep religious faith. You, know, you can even look at someone like Einstein, who's you know, the poster child for genius, and he was a man of, of deep faith. He talked about oh. God a lot, oh, yeah. uh, but in a, in a different it, sense. He talked about it in coalition with the universe and everything. I don't want to you know, misrepresent his beliefs here, but the way I see it, and this is just my opinion right. here, is that the ability to believe in something you can't see and then take that leap of faith is, a, is an adaptation that gives you an advantage over people who can't do it in the same way that a tiger's claws give it an advantage over a declawed tiger. Um, if, if I'm Absolutely. in a dark room and I need to leap over something and land on something, I don't know where that is. If I'm the one who's able to do it and the person behind me can't, I can progress. And society the way capitalism and everything works out is it rewards the people who do take those leaps of faith and are consistently able to do it again and again and again, because often the first one doesn't work, but you're able to take that leap of faith. And when you think of things, you know, the, the, uh, the apple was, was a leap of faith. The model T was a leap of faith. The, the, geez, I mean, every major invention, every great apple was a leap of faith. That apple that fell hit uh, Newton in the head. He then went home and studied it like Dave Farrell for hours and hours and hours. There we go. Came up with differential <laughs> I, I was thinking of the apple. So, I mean, computer, but sweat. So, yeah. I know you were. But <laughs> By the way, you, you also mentioned the atheist love of delusion. Delusion, I've always felt, is uh, when you fail, other people say you were deluded. When you succeed, uh, they're a genius and, and can they borrow money from yeah. you. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah. well, anyway, you you've talked a bit about the uh Farrell memory system which keeps us uh which you you from memorizing playing cards to clients names all the way to bible passages. You've even got me speed reading mm-hmm. now. And mm-hmm. um I you put thousands of of hours into this in this study and you have uh you have a great program working away. Now, if I am clever enough to see uh, the, the smart success package or the super genius bundle is something that's going to bootstrap me and enrich my my life by enriching my mind. Where can I get a hold of uh, some of the packages and products that you that you offer us? You know what? We're we're going to offer something, and I don't know how how evergreen this is if you're listening to this later on. But um, you know, essentially, right now we're at an interesting stage where we're offering kind of a fire sale. I uh, had an infomercial for for quite some time. Um, and we sold about I, I sold about ten million dollars worth of my CDs and DVDs over the years. Uh, but now this medium is uh, not being used anymore. So uh, we have uh, my online course, uh, which you can get a hold of, and and uh, basically it's it's uh, about a hundred bucks, like ninety eight dollars, uh, and it's an online interactive course, and that can be streamed and everything. And we're always going to have that available if you look us up. But uh, what I want to direct everybody to is ferrocommunications.com. If you contact us, we don't have a page up for this particular fire sale just yet, but if you contact us, I'm actually going to give you like a, a DVD or a CD set or a speed reading set for just 20 bucks a pop. We, we, uh, we got some leftover stock, and I see the writing on the wall. The DVDs and what, CDs aren't going to last forever. So um, I think it's uh, the one way that, just that to say that audience. they'll mention the art of the CEO. And and yep. when they call in and and they get it and they get it for uh, for twenty dollars. 
Yeah, and it's and it's literally sold for uh, $250 each. So the DVD set is a six DVD set, six hours worth of of, of material. Uh, it's uh, it's it's offered uh, as a certification for some teaching uh, uh, teaching credentials. Like it's it's been very well received worldwide. The $10 million worth of sales, but you can get it for 20 bucks because uh, you know uh, you get it in DVD form. All righty. Well, I think that's something we all are going to want to grab and take care of. And so now, my friend, with your opportunistic spirits all itching to cash in on your temporarily hidden talents, uh, I believe it's time to truly take a brief survey from today's Feast of Wisdom and allow me to proffer you a few utensils for today's feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, uh, please allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, um, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you cast your eyes about for a mentor of five and seek to share the wisdom of others? Or will you continue to go it alone because you're frightened by some sense of feeling obligated? Trust, my friend, is truly yours. And the second utensil, I can sense you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Whips book. So I have it here, and I am thumbing through with immense alacrity. Here we are. Oh, okay, here's one. <clears throat> You'll love this. The trouble with social media is that neither you nor your business can live on likes, unless, of course, you're under 20. Dave, what do you think as as a promotions and communications expert? Is social media sales uh, the potential more mythic or accurate? I, I I think honestly, a lot of those under twenty people that are living on likes, I think they're also living on their parents' uh, basement. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh, just I just got well I got a note from somebody just just to remind just to remind people if they do want to get a hold of us, I didn't really sing the the website all that much. Oh. I wanted you to go to ferrocommunications.com. Uh, if you Google me, there's a bunch of different stuff, but you can get a hold of us at ferrocommunications.com very directly. It has our toll-free number in there, just in case you can't find me. Um, but uh, yeah, so so uh, we do a lot of work with social media, even though I joke about it. Um, it's I like to say it as uh, it lets people know that the lights are on. Um, it's very much right, like an right. open sign to your business. I wouldn't necessarily say that all of the posts, uh, the posting and the interacting and everything always translates into sales, but it, it, the general consensus is that it builds more of a loyal audience. So if you have somebody who is a fan of you, then they have a way to interact and become more loyal. And so if it does bring you sales, it's usually if somebody has a very robust referral business. Uh, so the people who are already yeah, liking yeah. and responding to you, they've probably bought whatever they want to buy. There's very few exceptions to that. But uh, yeah, yeah. so if you want to have some ideas of what sort of communication to do with them, try talking to them about about sharing your content. Mention each time, hey, share this with your yeah. friends. If you like this, share it with other people. Um, and also, you know, give them a lot of coupon codes that they can share. Give them affiliate links that they can share. That would be what I would suggest uh, if somebody wants to maximize their social media uh, response, because the people who have friended you, they're already, you're speaking to the choir. So why not use that yeah, choir right. and use that, that force for your good? That that would be my suggestion. So use the, yeah, the, the coupon that if you share this with a friend, you get something off, yep. you know, right? 
I'll say one other good example is uh, uh, Kickstarters. Kickstarters, Indiegogo campaigns. These things rarely succeed unless somebody has a large social media following to begin. So you build up your audience. Uh, And and I would also say even a lot of times uh, authors, if you have a large social media following, then you're more likely to get published, more likely to get literary agents, more likely to get all sorts of things. So, so, this this is like build your audience as proof that you know what you're doing. Then when you publish your work, then when you when you activate it, then you can you can get the rewards. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I have I have like four thousand okay. followers on Instagram, and we got like one sale from it. So I don't always, uh, you know, yeah. I don't no, always well, focus on on the sales from uh, it. Well, you know, the old but, saying with it is is that with social media is that uh, either is that your this all the pundits tell you that a your business survival depends on a strong uh, social media presence, uh, and b you can't count on sales. And and as you've just said, both possibilities are partially false. Well, anyway, if if you smirk yeah. a bit over this silly quip. We have them literally. Well, I'll, by the I'll say one Just little exception for this yeah. though is it, it depends on the business though. So LinkedIn can be very good for business to business and I've I've made a lot I won't tell you uh-huh. how much, but multiple multiple six figures from leads through LinkedIn. Um, and uh, Facebook as well can be very good uh, for uh, for the type of business that I'm in where I'm trying to get other business owners. Uh, so if you know what right. you're selling and what you're looking for, it can work. Uh, we have uh, a product uh, from one of our clients that is, um, that's like a supplement for like fitness people. And we found a lot of success yeah. through Instagram, but that's the place where all the fitness people post that's, all their pictures. That's that place, so, right. Yeah, things well, like give me that. a so second here, Dave. Really, really well. I, yeah. Give me a second because we're going to move. We're going to move on. Uh, our the Got time it. time tempest is fugiting, and um, as a, as a third <laughs> utensil, I just wanted to, to mention that uh, I I'm going to sumptuously spoon out to to you, my friend, the uh, last week's business quotation. And that is the name of the individual who said, be at war with your vices, at peace with your neighbor, and let every new year find you a better man. (laughs) And no, those words were not spoken by our current president, but by another self-made millionaire uh, and uh, one of our founding fathers, Mr. Benjamin Franklin. So stick with us, because later on in the show, Blurting Your Way is going to come another enriching quotations. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be. Send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com that's info at bartsbooks.com and if you're correct your knowledge will earn you a soul-stirring gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books bookstore and before we return to the world's most memoried man and monetizer of that memory allow me to introduce you to the company by whose good graces we're here today and that company is Prometheus Publishing who invites you to enrich yourself in so many ways by one of their latest offerings CEO of yourself. And simply put, would you like a guide that gives you you personally the ability to, to grow like Google and bounce back from failures like Microsoft to, to profit from compassion like the marvelous Pope Francis and all that and, and have some of the fun that every that no one else seems to be having? Well, the CEO of yourself arms you with a set of good old-fashioned solutions that have been neglected for too long. All of those proven elements, character, principles, endurance, unbridled enthusiasm, help you roll up your sleeves and blow away the fog of today's distractions and set the enterprise of you on a joyful path. So pick up your copy of CEO of Yourself, take the helm, and get down to the business of your more rewarding life. And you may 
pick that up at Amazon or you can go to bartsbooks.com and for uh, all their ultimate business guides. Carpe diem, my friend. You are indeed worth it. And now, with the utensils in hand, why don't we gleefully come back to the memorable David Farrow, who, in whose honor I had a whole slew of Alzheimer's jokes, but I seem to have forgotten them. So, let's continue. Oh, <laughs> oh I know. That's terrible. <laughs> it's, it's so terrible. Uh, terrible. Uh, I, was, I was wondering, uh, you, uh, you said that... Uh, that you've done many things to sort of promote your business. And one of them was mm-hmm. indeed go for the, the world records, uh, uh, the Guinness book of world records for the memory title. What was that? What really, what, what prompted you? Was it a, was it for the publicity or did you, or was it a personal test or a little of each? No, it actually was clearly a, a business. Um, you know, I, I, uh-huh. uh, again, uh, you know, you got to think of the big picture and, you know, be a little humble and realize, you know, who the hell cares about what you've done or who you are. I, 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 I did some amazing things back in school. I, after, you know, mastering the system, I, I went from the bottom of the class to the top of the class. I helped a bunch of other wow. students who had ADD do the same too. And they're, they went to college for it and everything. But when I wanted to run this as a business, I wanted to teach other people. I was just some kid in my twenties, no less that was saying he had a great yeah. memory and saying he could teach people. There was absolutely no credibility. And uh, perhaps it was a little impatience. I didn't want to, you know, um, g- go through, you know, who, who knows how many years of of of, of uh, other people's programs and study rather than my own my own system to try to prove that my system was good. Uh, so I, I decided to take a different route, and I decided to go after the, that sort of big, hairy, audacious goal. I think that was kind of what inspired me. Some self help books talking about you know set a goal that scares you. And certainly the Guinness Book of Records scared the heck out of me. And uh, I, I yeah, know, went after sure. that specifically because I knew that it would give me ultimate credibility. I could walk into a room and get it. And it, it was tough. When I first looked at the goal, I thought it was six decks of cards. And as it turns out, right. I was looking at an older version of the Guinness Book of Records. And at the time, oh I was going goodness. to break the record. <laughs> it, it had actually, it had actually uh, uh, risen to 40 decks of cards. I thought, 40? Oh, oh my, my God. God. But I thought, you know, if, an, if another human being can do this, then I can do it. I just have to figure out how. And I, I worked mm-hmm. at it. What man is done, man for, can do. Yeah, I, I trained it for, for, for a few months and then went after it. Um, my first attempt actually failed, and, and it was very, oh. very tough to handle. I still did far more than the average person could do, but I, I failed. And let me tell you something. I was not in a family that – uh, that people were friendly to business. Uh, I literally oh. had to, like, I had I had family members betting against me that I would fail at this. I, I only had one person in my entire extended family, an uncle that lived out in Alberta, that uh, that had ever run a business, and everybody else was more blue collar. And there was constant put downs. I actually had to disown my dad for like a few months because he was so against the idea of me running a business i had to say look if you're not supporting huh. me then you're out of my life it wasn't going for and the I record it was running the, the business right. yeah it was something about being an entrepreneur and and it, to this day it, it bugs me so much that people people uh have there is this there is this horrible attitude that the desire to make money is is suspect there's this horrible attitude yeah, in society, yeah. and I think it's just terrible. Um, and I, I actually just had, had a conversation yesterday with somebody that set, set them straight. And, and my favorite phrase now, and this, if, I, if I'm only known for this phrase, I would love it, 
is, is a profit is the proof that you have contributed to society. Profit is the proof that you've contributed to society because in order to make that profit, assuming that you did not do fraud or work with the government, same thing sort of, uh, is uh, as long as you didn't do those two things, then uh, th- that money was given to you freely uh, and in exchange for something yeah. that you're giving in return of greater value. So that profit that well, you you're absolutely right. That you have I mean, I think the, the whole the whole idea of businesses, as we say. Uh, at uh, Prometheus is to create and distribute useful entities for mankind, and that's mm-hmm. and that's what we're talking about here. Now, I've got to ask but you. I, was... I want to ask you a couple of quick questions, so because we're running out of sure. time. So, first of all, you make a claim that you sold 170 copies of your memory packets after a single show appearance. Now, the only person I've ever chatted with who approached that sort of single boom bust like that was Tim Ferriss with his four-hour work week. Um, and he he, he, told, he told me a marvelous story. But anyway, the point is, what when you land this media prize, when you get this prize slot on a show, mm-hmm, to go there, mm-hmm. could you give us one or two one thing you should do and one thing you shouldn't do? Sure, sure. Well, well, the first thing though is is I made one hundred and seventy thousand dollars, not one hundred seventy copies. It was actually about oh, four hundred okay. copies right. of the program at, at like two hundred fifty bucks. Well, that's still not shabby. But one hundred seventy thousand dollars is. is, is yeah, uh, for for one interview, it was Jeff and Jaron San Diego when they were very popular uh, in the early 2000s. And um, the the big thing is to not make it about yourself, but it's about people who are like you. So uh, ah. you know, be vulnerable. And I will also say that this is probably one of the biggest things that I really differ from a lot of PR gurus, if you will. Um, I work with yeah. the top of the top. I work with major corporations. I work with like some top authors and things like that. And the biggest mistake you get when you first are about to go on the air, let's say, let's say I got you on the Today Show or something, right? And I've been on the Today Show right. myself. The first thing people want to do is make sure that they don't embarrass themselves, right? And I think that fear right. holds you back so much. You have to realize if you're looking at somebody on a screen, think of a YouTube video. It's a small little square and it's you know limited audio. In other words, it is a, a reduced version of you. It's not live, right? So, right, right. You know, so, so the problem is that people try too hard, they're too timid, and they try too hard to not be embarrassing or embarrass themselves, and they end up coming across incredibly boring. And I would much rather yeah, yeah. take the risk and, and then be forgettable. So, so what I really want people to do is to be super animated. You have to be so excited about what you've done and what you've accomplished because you cannot expect anybody to be excited about your product. If you're not excited about it, uh, you're the founder, you're the creator, you did it. You have to love it. If you don't love it, then your customer's not going to love it. They're always going to have a small fraction of the love for it that you have. You know, so you're absolutely right. The most contagious emotion is indeed enthusiasm. Dave, I got, uh, I just want to uh, wrap up because you're on to something new, and I don't want to miss this. First of all, I'd like you to explain <laughs> what any sane man is doing deliberately living in a storefront window with, surrounded by mannequins. And then I'd like you to tell it, what, uh, what, uh, how you have turned around and monetized even this with your creation of the dancer. If you can give us that in, in about two minutes, I'd love it. Kenya. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I was hired by Sony <laughs> to be a spokesperson. Yes. 
So I, I basically was paid a, a, a very large amount of money to live in a storefront window for one month, but it also was a great boost to my career. Uh, I got lots of press. It was on Regis and Kelly, all that stuff, and also got my uh, oh, citizenship, God. so I was able to immigrate. Now, when oh, I was there, okay. though, I saw the power of living in a storefront window, um, and you can look this up. It, it, it's called The Reader Revolution. You can see it on YouTube. It was kind of kind of a cool thing. I had like a bunch of rappers in there and oh. other different people and authors and stuff. Um, so I'm a tinkerer and I'm a genius and I love technology. I actually worked in robotics. I worked in nanotech for a while just for fun. Like when you have my kind of memory, that's what you do for fun, folks. But um, when uh-huh. I was in the storefront window, I thought, I thought to myself, why don't mannequins move? Why don't I see any mannequins that are dancing in a window? It would attract so much attention. It would make so much money for the, the store. And that led me down a whole path of about eight years worth of research and then four years of design. Uh, so like – for research and for design, I think, um, to, to realize why animatronics is largely in, in uh, these big theme parks and not everywhere. And also, I've been working right. on a way to make a, a dancing mannequin, an animatronic mannequin that comes right out of the box that's uh. very affordable. It's going to be under $10,000. And uh, that, so I'm, I'm essentially trying to do with the PC, like with the computer, you know, but I'm trying to do that with animatronics. Right now, animatronics cost like $150,000 minimum to get started to even right. play in that world. I'm going to get you to, you could, you could run a, a going to get at a, there at a 10, conference 000. somewhere. Yeah. So what or, you're going to you do is you're going to get something that's very like similar to mine. Five hundred bucks. Uh, it'd be great. I think it's wonderful. You, Dave, Dave is going to get me something for, that reminds me very much of my uh, my high school prom date, uh, a, a, a moving <laughs> mannequin. But nonetheless, uh, we're oh, you still so look for the dancer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Dave, I, I we've had such fun having you on. It, it's been it's been such a blast. I, I'm going to ask if we can seduce you back some at some later date, and to fill us in, and also uh, keep us abreast of of all your 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 latest new inventions. So yeah, again, well, I'm, I'm going to end off with 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 one simple thing: is is just like Dolly Parton said, What's find that? out who you are and do it on purpose. Figure out what you have as a as as your nature, and offer that as value to the world, and don't be afraid to make money at it because that's how you make your living and it also is a great way to keep score of how much you're actually contributing to society i thank you very much for leaving us with that wonderful they will have you back on thank you very much and uh, so as we round out today's feast i am bart jackson your curator of business wisdom leaving you with today's uh today's quotation and that is success is a beast now who said this success is a beast it actually puts emphasis on the wrong things you uh you get away with more rather than looking within as you should and uh a hint the author of this was the earner of academy awards who has uh experienced success as uh, sinbad the greek hero achilles and the devil's own megamind spy and if you remember, if you know the author of that quote, simply scribble it right down and send it off to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely career-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, in the old days, we used to say clothes made the man. Now we say mastery of devices makes the person. Ah, if it were only that simple, my friend. And to you gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the Art of the CEO show as much as uh, Dave and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this on all our shows at the Art 
of the CEO.com. Just visit the art of the CEO.com. And finally, to you who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege. <laughs>